serving you, making a difference in this world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I'm going to put on the screen something that you might remember. Who can remember that? Uh, I, see, I think I mentioned I was into golf as a kid. Did I mention that? There's a, there's a fairway? There we go. Uh, and so I'd go out after school, weekends, you know, play lots and lots of golf. I don't get the chance to do it nowadays, but back then it was, you know, you had more time. Um, but there are things in life that interrupt the ability to play golf, unfortunately. Now, our family had a fruit and veggie business. That was our family business. So we'd, um, you know, sell fruit and veggie. We had this shop. And one of the things, to try and get an edge of the competition, we'd go out from a place called Katoomba, New South Wales, uh, 100 k's west, there's a place called Bathurst. And at Bathurst, they grow a lot of fruit and vegetables. And so we would go out and get the stuff fresh from the, from the orchards, and we'd come back and we'd try and sell it like that, kind of get an edge off the competition. And so often I'd go out with my dad in school holidays. So usually sometime during the week, we'd go out in the truck in the morning, uh, get all this stuff, come back and, and be selling it in the shop. And it was... I enjoyed the drive. We usually had a takeaway breakfast, which was a treat as a kid, you know, uh, and that was, that was great. What I didn't like about that journey was on the way back, uh, if you signed up for the journey in the truck, you signed up for the whole day work, right? And that wasn't a good thing because you missed out on golf in the afternoon. But there was a place on the way. So we drive out to Bathurst. As we come through past Katoomba, where I lived, there was a place where I could get dropped off and... Uh, go and play golf for the rest of the day. So, you know, about midday, you'd come back and there was the opportunity to get dropped off and go and play golf. Much better outcome than working at the shop all day. Now, I remember going, driving towards this place where the drop-off would happen and I begin to feel this gathering tension or urge inside me to ask my dad to stop and say, look, I'll get off and I'll go and play golf. You go and work. Uh, and and the I'd come to this place and I'd be wrestling inside. It's time to ask him to stop. You ever had that internal dialogue when you want to ask a question and that there's just this thing going on and sometimes you don't ask the question? You know, I was a little bit scared of my dad. It was always harder to ask things of dad than mum. I don't know whether anyone experiences that. It might be different in some families, but in our family it was harder with dad. And I, I think I felt a bit guilty that I was going to get off the rest of the day and he'd have to go to work. And so I'm wrestling with these things, wanting to ask the question, drop me off, I'll go and play golf. And I'd, I knew I'd miss out on work if I didn't, I'd miss out on golf if I didn't ask the question. But so often, I didn't ask the question and a truck went by and I saw the place I had to get off because I hadn't asked this question and I ended up working for the rest of the day. Now, I don't know whether you, that works like that for you on the inside, where you have a wrestle with whether you're going to ask something. You want something, you know that to get it, you have to ask for it, but there's this toing and froing that goes on in your mind, whether you're going to ask. Uh, and something's going on inside, you feel this tension, the time comes to say something, but you've got this wrestle going on and you don't say anything. Am I the only one, or is this... Uh, and then you regret it because you didn't say anything, you didn't ask. Now, for, at that time, for me, it was, it was in the truck, I was trying to get dropped off for golf. But maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe you wanted to ask out a guy or a girl on a date, and you, you're wrestling with and you 
didn't do it. Maybe you did do it, but there's this wrestle. Or maybe asking for a job, asking someone for a reference sometimes, ask for a raise at work. You can't, should I do it? Should I not do it? Might even be asking for prayer for some people. I think it's a common human experience. We, we know that we need to ask, but there's things going on inside that sometimes stop us from asking. We, we feel awkward, we lose confidence, we get scared and we don't ask and we miss out on whatever it was that we we're going to ask for. All because we said nothing, we didn't ask. Now it turns out in our relationship with God, asking is a really important thing. And just as you know, I missed out on golf because I didn't ask. It's possible we miss out on receiving things from God because we don't ask. Jesus talked about this. So let's have a look at what he said. This is what I think. Um, he talks about this issue of asking God. So it's a bit of a, bit of a parable. So let's go um, to the screen. Um, verse 5. This is Luke 11. Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Lend me three loaves of bread. <laughs> Give me. I suppose he's going to bring them back. A friend of mine is on a journey has come to me and I've no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up, get up and give you anything. So here's a scenario of someone who has a need. And um, there's a friend next door who's got bread. But it's midnight. Something unexpected has come up. And so you, you really need this bread or you really want this bread. So you're going to go next door. You're going to knock. You're going to ask. And it says, even though the person is your friend, you don't get the bread when you first knock and ask. It's midnight after all. So essentially the guy in the house next door says, get lost, come back in the morning. And that, that's kind of a fair enough response, isn't it? And that's the point of the story where things come to the surface. It's perfectly reasonable, even expected, that you'll go back to bed and wait till morning. Your friend's not going to starve without the bread. And if you didn't prepare, then the pain should be your pain, not someone else's. So the initial request doesn't get a positive response. But as often happens with the stories that Jesus tells, it takes an unexpected turn. What's assumed in the story is that you don't just go back to bed and say, oh, okay, I better wait till morning. I can't get the bread at the moment. Instead, the assumption is you stay the door and you keep knocking and you keep asking in the middle of the night, maybe getting louder and more insistent until finally your friend relents, gets out of bed, gives you the bread and sends you on your way. So here's what happens in the story. Uh, so verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, he won't do it out of relationship, yet because of, one translation, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So the reason in this translation it says shameless audacity, other versions will say perseverance or dogged persistence or even Lack of embarrassment. A simple one-off request didn't get you what you needed. You had to stay there knocking in the middle of the night and asking and asking until your friend got out of bed and gave you what you needed. Not because of the friendship, 
It wasn't because you were their friend. It's because you stood there knocking and shouting out because of the dogged persistence of your request. Now, interesting, this story is told in the context. Luke 11, the disciples say, teach us to pray like John taught the disciples. And then he teaches them the Lord's Prayer before this. And straight after that Lord's Prayer, he tells this story. This is part of teach us to pray. This is part of Jesus' teaching on prayer. Asking a friend for some bread at midnight, initially being refused, but going back with shameless audacity, again, loudly in the middle of the night, persistently banging on the door until you get what you need. There's something about this story that teaches us about prayer. So when we learn the Lord's Prayer, as we do and we should, we should also learn that it's in this context of this story, a story about feeling confident enough to knock on the door of the friend at midnight and not being embarrassed to keep knocking persistently until you get what you need. There's something about prayer that Jesus says that's like this situation. If you want something from God and you're not getting it, don't be ashamed or embarrassed to keep knocking. Keep asking. Eventually, you'll get what you need. In fact, you'll get, it says, as much as you need. Let's read on. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. All these words are continuous tense. Ask. And keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. It's not just a once-off and then forget about it and wait for God to answer. That's not how it works. It's a continual knocking, asking, seeking. Now, I think we know what it's like to have to ask more than once for something. Many of us know uh, in life what it's like to really chase down something you desire. You've got to persevere. Maybe it's difficult to obtain you know, others in your business or your education, you've had to keep going, you've had to persevere, you've had to knock on doors to get what you needed to achieve the goals that you have in life. I think this truth is woven into the fabric of reality. This is what life is like in many circumstances. If you give up after the first few attempts, you don't get what you need. You don't get where you need to go. And this teaching is telling us finding God satisfying your thirst for God, receiving what you need from God, isn't just about asking once. It's about persistently pursuing what you need with determination and resolve, keeping going until you get the answer. So Jesus tells us to persevere, to be audacious in asking God in order to get what we need from him. And he encourages, our quest is not futile. We will be successful as we persevere. And remember, this is not about relationship. He doesn't, this, the friend in the story, it's, he doesn't give it to him because of the relationship. He gives it to him because of the persistence. Now, the relationship has to exist in order to make the approach. But it's not on account of the relationship that the prayer is answered, that the request is made. The teaching is about the persistence, the audacity to do this in the middle of the night. And there's something about this story that tells us about what it's like to get what we need from God. 
in addition to knowing God, there's an aspect of receiving from God that doesn't come down to the relationship. It comes down to dogged persistence. Keep asking. Keep persevering. Verse 10, for everyone who asks, everyone who continues to ask, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. To get what we need from God, we have to be confident enough to bring the request in the first place. We have to put ourselves in the posture of asking God. We have a need. We recognize that. And continue until the, in this posture of asking God until God gives us what we need. Our quest will not be futile provided we persevere, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. How do we know then that God will eventually give us something good? Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So our request is never going to, you're never going to get something bad from God. He only gives good things. He's a good, good father. But even better than the best fathers and mothers that we have. Now, I know there's a teaching around. There's, there's a common teaching that you hear that says, just ask God once. If you ask God once, that proves that you're, you're trust, trusting in him. You don't need to ask again because that's what faith means, trusting him. That's real faith, not to ask again. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Trust in God, real trust in God, is not inconsistent with earnest and continual asking. In fact, this is what real trust in God looks like. The sort of faith God wants to develop in us is the sort that rises up and does not be denied. That's faith. Now, there are times when trusting God means waiting. Perhaps waiting for a long time, waiting patiently. That's an expression of trust. There are times in the Bible where people are called to wait. And God moves the circumstances of our lives and finally the promise is fulfilled. It can take a long time. That is also faith. It's a different aspect of faith. It's precious. But there are other times when trusting God doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like sitting back and waiting. It doesn't, it's not like you're at the train station and you've looked at the timetable and said, the train's coming at 11, it's now 10.45. I'll just wait here until the, tr the train shows up. There's some aspects of what God does the train doesn't show up until you pray that it comes. And there's something about receiving from God that's connected with our prayers. God in his sovereignty has set it up so that our prayers actually make a difference in reality. Not for everything, but there's some things where that's the case. Trusting God in some circumstances means saying, God, I need something from you. There's a real need in my life. I'm outside the door and I'm knocking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm not giving up until you give me what I need. The train isn't coming until you cry out for it, until you knock. So, God, I've got to have that train. There's something on that train or I've got to get on that train. And it ain't showing up until you persevere in prayer that it will show up. Now, that's intense. 
It's emotionally intense. It's spiritually desperate. You have to come through God in my family situation, in my health, in my relationships. Something's causing you to say, I've got this need. I can't be denied. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, and I'm not stopping until I have this prayer answered. There's something about that type of faith that this story and the teaching is pointing to. Now, the time factor still may exist. You still may not have what you want immediately. And there are times when you may be denied for some reason. There, There may be reasons for that. But the audaciousness and the perseverance in prayer is a factor in having your prayers answered. Pressing in and pressing through that God would answer And I think Jesus teaches this to his disciples because they have to know it. This is part of the whole spectrum of what it means to be a disciple and trust God. This is a type of prayer you're going to have to need. There are some things you will never get from God without this type of prayer. The prayer will simply be unanswered and the need will remain unmet. Now, this attitude of seeking, pressing in, Uh, It's insistent, but it doesn't have to be anxious because everyone who asks receives. There's a promise that if you ask in this way, you will receive. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you seek, you'll find. There's a confident assurance in the character of God. But that doesn't mean we don't keep asking. Keep asking, you'll receive. Keep seeking, you'll find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened. We have the assurance that we will have it, but we have to persevere in order to get it. God is a good father. He will not withhold what we need, but we may have to break through some barriers in order to get it. There may be spiritual resistance between you and the thing that you, um, you believe that you need from God. It may take time for, to, to overcome in prayer. You know, in the book of Daniel, it talks about Daniel beginning to pray. He starts fasting and he prays for three weeks, fasting for three weeks. And it says the angel from God, it says, the day you started, I heard you. Your prayer was heard, but there was a a war going on in heaven. And so the angel couldn't get through to answer the prayer for three weeks. So there was this spiritual battle that prevented the prayer from being for him getting the answer even though his prayer was heard straight away, but he had to persevere in order to receive the answer to it. There was a battle. After the battle, the prayer was answered. The angel shows up and gives him the the message that he needs. Sometimes there are spiritual forces and barriers that are there, and we need to overcome in prayer. We need to keep going until those things evaporate or dissipate. There's an unseen battle that takes place. And persevering prayer is part of the combat strategy for us. Uh, Later in Luke's gospel, Jesus tells a similar story in Luke 18. So probably the words are a bit small here, but um, you know the parable of the persistent widow. It's a very similar story. It says Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. 
But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out. And the Lord says, uh, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So the parable, at the, right at the start, it says, uh, oftentimes the answer, what, what the parable is about, is given in the first sentence. Um, so his disciples will always pray and not give up. That's the point of the story. There's a judge and a widow. The judge is initially reluctant. He's he kind of fobbing her off at the start. But the widow keeps coming. And the judge thinks, I'm going to get worn down by this. Now, it's an allegory, not a parable. So it's an allegory. Sorry, it's not an allegory. That means that the judge, the widow, it, it doesn't represent a person or all this sort of stuff. It's the story as a whole that teaches us something. It isn't saying that God is like this judge. He's just going to fob you off. That's not what it's saying. God does care. He's not like that judge. But the story tells us there's something going on here that tells us what prayer is like, that we should always pray and not give up. And Jesus finishes the story with these words. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And, and people will say, well, you know, maybe there won't be any Christians there when Jesus re- returns. But I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the emphasis at all. I don't think the emphasis on there being no Christians. I think the question is, will, there, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find this type of faith? Will he find faith that keeps praying and never gives up? The type of faith in the story that this, this widow has, she's, she's just going to keep asking this judge. Is the Son of Man going to find that type of faith when he returns? That's the question, I think. Will the followers of Jesus exhibit that type of faith? What type of faith will be around when Jesus returns? And I think he's looking for this type of faith. Faith's used in several ways in, in the Bible. Believing God for salvation is kind of the initial way of, that's what faith is, trusting God, trusting his promise, simply trusting that Jesus has bore our sins, he's risen from the dead for new life. We trust in that as God's provision for us, for our salvation. We put our trust in him, that is faith. Our trust is the faith. But that's only one type of faith. This story is about a different type of faith. The sort of faith that lies behind persevering prayer. That's much less common, I think. (laughs) There are many people who've prayed and received salvation, many more than would actually trust God and persevere until they receive what they need from him. To see God's will and purpose come to pass in their lives and then make a big difference in the world. That's the type of faith I think this story is encouraging. The type of faith we need to fully receive the blessings of God and to, be, to have the ministry that God calls us to have in this world. So back to, back to Luke 11, Luke 11 uh, uh, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in, he- Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God only gives good things. I, uh, I don't think in this context Jesus is he's not talking about the presence of the Spirit in our lives that comes with salvation. The Bible doesn't make a link. There's no link in the Bible to say that you have to ask for the Holy Spirit when you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus, the presence of the Spirit to make you a child of God is already present. It doesn't, you don't have to ask for that. That's not something we're ever told to ask for. It comes when we trust in Jesus. There's not a link between asking and receiving the presence of the Spirit in your life as a believer to make you a child of God. We're we're baptized by one Spirit into one body. The moment we put our trust in Jesus, it's automatic. That aspect of the Spirit's work comes with your faith. You trust God. The Spirit of God comes into your life. It's automatic. He comes to live in us by the Spirit We have assurance of salvation. We have forgiveness of sins. We are made new on the inside, become part of God's family. All of that's automatic. It's not, we don't have to ask for that. We're not told to ask for that. We're told to trust God that that it occurs, but we're not told to ask for it. There's something different going on here. In verse 13, Jesus is talking about the need to ask for the Holy Spirit in the context of um, persistent prayer. It must mean we need to ask in, with shameless audacity and persistence for the Holy Spirit to be given, not, because, not to make us Christians, but something else. I think what he's saying is he's letting us know the aspects of the Holy Spirit beyond conversion to be an effective witness, to experience a deeper immersion into the Spirit's presence and power in our lives, to, to uh, receive the ability, a greater ability to receive the gifts of the Spirit and operate in them, to be able to hear God's voice and guidance in life, to discern his leading. These are aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit that come to us not just because we trust Jesus for salvation, but because we ask and we keep asking until we receive. And you look through the book of Acts and you think about there's a link between being filled with the Spirit in this way and askings. Acts chapter 4, the apostles have been arrested and told not to preach about the Lord Jesus And they pray, and their prayer ends like this. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's the prayer. And then it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they asked for God to do this thing through them in the world. And the result was they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they become effective witnesses. They speak the word of God boldly. 
It comes after the asking. They ask and they were filled. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, eagerly desire is the word for zealous. It's the same word we get zealous from. Now, I think that's the type of desire or zeal that results in persistent asking. Lord, show me what gifts. Grant me the gifts I need. Guide me as to how I can use the gifts for your glory. And there's a strange story in 2 Kings where Elisha the prophet, talking to King Joash, he gets some arrows, he fires the arrows, and he says, strike the ground with the arrows. And King Joash has got these arrows, and he strikes the ground three times. And Elisha becomes angry. (laughs) You should have done it five or six times. And now, because you only struck the ground three times, you're only going to have three victories. If you had done it more, if you had been more persistent and full on, you would have had total victory. It's a really strange story, but I think that's along these lines. And I think there's other scriptures indicate this as well. They point towards a relationship between the audacity, the perseverance in our prayer, the pressing in that we have, what we do in this world in order to seek God, and the prayer and the answers to the prayers we get and the effectiveness we are as his witnesses. It's not just about God has decided to do something. In his sovereignty, at least in some areas of life, there is a link between our prayers, their persistence and our seeking and God's actions and response in the world. It's not just about God. God is sovereign. In his sovereignty, he said, I'm laying this before you. Press in and persevere and you will see more. Those who ask are filled. There are experiences of God. There are depths of engagement with the Holy Spirit that don't come automatically with conversion because you're a son or daughter of God. They're very precious. To be a son or daughter of God is absolutely fantastic. But there are these other realities deeper experiences and provision of God to us that come to us because we ask, because we have this persevering pressing in. He gives us what we need. Our Father delights to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He will fill us with his Spirit to empower us to be his witnesses. And this aspect, this deeper engagement of the Holy Spirit... Uh, isn't just a casual one. It's not just, hey, God, wouldn't it be good if I went a bit deeper? How about it? That's like not the type of prayer that this thing's talking about. It's persistent, shameless, audacious, seeking and knocking until God gives us what we need. The filling and empowering of the Spirit to be his witnesses, to be effective witnesses. And the implications, if we don't approach God with this kind of pressing in shameless audacity to always pray and not give up, we won't see the fullness in our lives. It won't stop us from being children of God, but we're not going to see the amazing things that God does through us in this world. I think really what this points us to is there is more available from God to those who press in and ask And it's released through passionate, persistent, audacious prayer. Pressing into God until we have from him what we need. 
And I think there's something about these teachings from Jesus that's pushing us to that place. And that maybe suggests the question is more about how badly do we want this? How great is the thirst for God? How strongly do we want God to fill us and empower us for mission and service? If we want it badly enough, it's a bit like a person who's thirsty for water. You will do whatever it takes to get a drink when you're thirsty. You'll seek, you'll ask, you'll knock until you find, until God gives us those aspects of the spirit that come in this way. Until living water, we drink and living water flows out of us. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If we want that, according to this parable and others, Jesus gives us permission. It's like an invitation. Become more bold. Be more determined. Be more audacious in your approach to God. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to know God more deeply. We need to get below the surface of the relationship with him. We need to have rivers of living water flowing from within us. If God is going to do things through us into this world, the only way will be through this avenue, seeking, pressing in until we have what we need. That's the sort of prayer, that's the sort of approach that Jesus encourages us to have towards seeking God's presence and his power. Ask, seek, knock, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Even if it's the middle of the night, even if it makes you look silly before others, who cares? You know what you want. You're going to ask God for it, whatever it takes. To keep asking for God's Holy Spirit to fill and empower us. We want the river of living water to flow out through our lives. You know, in our house, there's this one thing that's never safe. Uh, if we ever buy this particular thing, Rhonda and the kids try and hide it. What is it? Chocolate. <laughs> because there's somebody in our house who will search diligently, who will press in to find out where the chocolate is. Uh, they've tried all sorts of hiding places. I sniff it out. Eventually, I'll find it. I'll, go, I'll leave no stone unturned. Uh, there's something in me driving me to find this sweet prize, right? If I suspect there's chocolate, I've got a mission. I'm going to open every cupboard. I'm going to look below all this stuff. Is it good for me? No. Do I need therapy? Possibly. <laughs> but I'm going to continue to ask and look for this stuff until I find that purple packet. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink uh, and press in that rivers of living water might flow. Are we content with the spiritual life that we have? Do we sense a lack of power and God's presence in our lives? Even if we're already a Christian, much of what God has for us in the spirit comes to us when we first believe. It's wonderful. But he draws us to a place where we say, if you want more, I want you to come and press in to find strength and power for him, from him to serve God. And I think Jesus is teaching, as part of his teaching on prayer, this is an aspect we need to learn, to press in until we have what we need, to receive the fullness of the Spirit and all that God has for us. So shall we ask? 
Would you pray? I mean, we've done three. We've talked about the Spirit for three months. Let's pray. Uh, um, let's stand together. And sometimes this happens at home. You know, I want to set you free. When you're home alone, sometimes you know, in public it's a bit hard. But when you're home alone, think about this and say, God, what do I need to do to press in? Nobody's around. Uh, what do you do? How do you press into God? What do you have to say? How do you do this? I just want to encourage you that that audacious behavior towards God is not a bad thing. It's actually part of the teachings of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that measure of the spirit that you've given us in Christ, that we are made through our faith in you, through what you've done for us on the cross, sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, we couldn't do that for ourselves. You've done that for us, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. All the benefits, forgiveness, grace, fellowship in this family, we thank you. But Lord, these teachings of Jesus push us towards another understanding, another, maybe there's more for us than we have experienced thus far. Lord, the hunger in us to know more, to experience more, the thirst that's in us, Lord, we feel it when we're thirsty for physical water. Lord, would you satisfy that thirst that is in us that desires spiritual water? Lord, to be witnesses. Lord, we want to know the empowering of the Spirit to be able to speak your word boldly. Lord, many of us have neighbours and friends who are far from you, and we want to share with them, Lord, but we need the power of the Spirit to guide us what to say and how to say it. We ask for that. Lord, there are things in our lives we're struggling with, and we want to continue, Lord, to pray. Sometimes it's so hard when we've felt disappointment to come back to you. I pray, Father, this aspect of pressing in, of uh, persevering, even being audacious. Thank you that you're a good father. You will not give us bad things. You will only give us good things. And, Lord, you say, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Lord, we ask, guide our lives, show us your ways, take us deeper. Lord, we want to see every a good purpose of yours fulfilled through each of our lives and through us as a church. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to encourage you, uh, whenever you pray, think about pressing in that you would have from God whatever you need. Uh, it's, been it's been a blessing to be here for three months. Thank you for all the encouragement that you've given me. Um, it's, it's been really, really good to come on Sundays and be part of this community. Um, let me finish. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's encourage one another uh, over morning tea. And as we seek God to be his witnesses in this world, God bless you. Amen.